Today's reading comes to us from the sixth chapter of Romans, beginning at the first verse. What then are we to say? Should we continue to sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lived, lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Word of God, word of life. Thank you, Bob. Grace and peace to you this morning on this All Saints Sunday. In the middle of rural Wisconsin, while World War II raged around them, a Lutheran congregation gathered for worship. Back then, worship was just hymns, preaching, prayers, and not much else. They didn't do weekly communion, and it was custom for baptisms to take place privately, often in people's living rooms with immediate family present. Yet this Sunday, their pastor had the font set out, for his own son was to be baptized a son who had come into the family not by birth, but by adoption. The pastor and his wife made the decision to have him baptized not privately in their living room with close friends as sponsors, but right there in the sanctuary in front of whoever shuffled into the country chapel that day with the church council serving as godparents. And because of what happened there that Sunday, this baby boy, unable to be provided for by his family of birth, now had a new family, wider than he could have imagined. A family not by blood, but by the waters and promises of baptism. That pastor was my great-grandfather Oliver, and the boy is my great-uncle John. My great-uncle's baptism was unremarkable and ordinary. It didn't change the course of history. And still, there's something deep and true about it. Because it didn't have to be that way. The world around these Wisconsinites 
had many different messages swirling through it. America was at, at, at war with the Third Reich, a regime which found it easy to demonize and execute millions of people for not fitting in, for being Jewish or gay, or from the people who were known then as gypsies and now as Roma. And even in America, racial segregation was a daily reality, maybe not written into law in the North, but still with disastrous outcomes for people of color. And yet this group of people clung to a different set of stories, a different vision of what the world might be and how they might show up in it. This group of Wisconsin farmers and laborers, ordinary and faithful people, chose to show up around the font that day, and they chose to place their faith in the notion that through the gift of baptism, God was drawing them into one family. They looked at this boy in their midst who, through adoption, received a new brother and mother and father, and they trusted that in each of their own baptisms, they too had been adopted into the wide family of Jesus. And now they looked at one another, rich and poor, immigrants and people born here, grumpy old-timers and foolish young ones, and found faith to see each other not as competition or enemies or threats, but as family. Our reading this morning, a reflection on how baptism joins us to Christ's victory over the grave, ends this way. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. I don't really talk about sin much, but I would like to say here that at its root, what sin is, is believing a lie to be true. The Bible starts out this way after all. Adam and Eve believe the lie of the serpent who says that they need to be smarter and stronger than they are and that they should really eat the fruit. And just like the serpent in the garden, the lies we choose to believe that come from sin tell us that we ought to be something other than what we are, or that someone else ought to be someone other than who they are. Some lies tell us that we should be self-sufficient and independent, that we can make it on our own, that other people are just dragging us down. And some lies tell us that we're nothing, that we don't matter, that we're worth not one penny, not one shred of dignity. Some lies encourage us to elevate others to the level of hero worship, and some would have us denigrate entire groups of people as undeserving, as less than, as scapegoats for our own problems. We've seen that recently, haven't we? 
a massacre in a synagogue because the shooter not only couldn't stand Jewish people, but feared the refugees their faith called them to help. And a man who couldn't get into an African-American church in Kentucky, so he wreaked violence, shooting two black people in a grocery store instead. And just on Friday, a shooting in a yoga studio in Florida where the suspect we learn had a long history of anger at and violence toward women. These violent acts came about because these men believed the lie that told them that they were superior and that others who were different from them were to be feared or loathed. And what we need to learn here is that the lies sin tells us lead to death. They lead us into isolation from God and from one another and from our deepest selves. But God's truth leads us to life. Even when it's a hard path, truth always leads us into life. And the truth is this. God is making us alive through God's own overflowing love. And it's not because we're perfect. It's not because of anything we do. It's simply because God has decided to create this world in love and to stay with it in love until love is the only thing that is left. As we live our lives right now, each one of us is simultaneously beautiful and imperfect. And God gives us love and life that is bigger than any of us, yet touches all of us. We are alive in God, all of us together, set forth on this earth to enjoy and grapple with the life that we have and to be changed by the love that we give and receive. When scripture talks about being baptized into death, that is what it's talking about. What we die to here in this place is the power of sin and the lies it tells. We don't have to listen to them anymore. We have another story to tell. We have another reality to cling to. For we're not just baptized into death, we're raised with Christ to experience and proclaim a life and love that are so abundant and overflowing that any barrier we construct, any temper tantrum of hatred we throw, and even death itself will not be able to stop them. Think about it. You know what this is like. When we gather here around this font to baptize someone, or we bless each other at these bowls, remembering our own baptisms, you're not asking questions like, but who did they vote for? Is the baby going to be smart? Is his family here legally? No! When we're at the font, the lies that, the, that sin tells fall silent in the face of the truth that comes through water and promise. We all physically lean in and stand on our tiptoes to get a better view. You lift your children up so they can see what's going on. We let our hearts soften for a little bit. 
we intuitively understand what's happening here. God has placed a person in our midst, and that person is to be known and celebrated. The person we baptize or bless belongs to love, and God's own love will be made known through them. We know that even if we never have a relationship with this person, even if we never see them again, we still have something to do with each other. We are somehow bound together. It matters that we are sharing a world. And in our curiosity, joy, and prayers for these strangers at the font, we are showing that we have died to the lies that sin tells us. Lies that tell us that some of us are better or more deserving than others. Lies that say we do not need each other. Lies that say some of us do not matter. And most of all, the lie that death is stronger than love. This is what All Saints Day is about. It's a day we set aside to praise God for binding us up together and making us matter to one another. To thank God for the ways that God has been made known to us through the faith and hope and love of other people. To glorify God for using incomplete, unfinished humans like ourselves and those around us to bring signs of God's own love into the world. Today, we thank God for the ways that others have held our hands and guided us to resist the lies the world tells us and walk toward the truth that God truly is in all of it and that love is real and powerful. This is why I am so moved by these nameless Wisconsinites all those decades ago when they stood with my family to support this adoption. They were showing love. And that love left a mark. It shaped my great-grandfather, whose love shaped relatives, whose love has shaped me. Their simple and unremarkable act of love all those decades ago is still bearing fruit. That's how we know that love is stronger than death. Death might take a person, but it can't take the love they showed. That love just keeps bearing fruit into the world. Now, did those farmers think about that when they showed up for church that Sunday? I doubt it. But in a world filled with division, they chose to place their love or faith in a love that unites us across every facet of human difference, across all space and all time, and across the veil of death that seems to separate us from the ones that we have loved. And as the water flowed over my great uncle, they glimpsed the truth that God has knit us together into one great communion, one family of saints. They surround us now, as do all our departed loved ones, guiding our steps in God's way of truth, life, and love. Amen.